What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing this morning? I got to be able to say this uh, real quick. So, so Melanie, who stood right here, is married to Jeff, who plays in the worship band with the, with the Mohawk. You guys probably know him as, as Mohawk Jeff. Uh, and so he just mentioned to me in the back, he said, we were not dating when he was playing football. So he just wanted to let everybody know that, that they weren't dating when he was playing football. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us this Sunday morning, welcome what a Sunday morning to be here. You get an opportunity to win a 65-inch television. Let me hear it. Right? You excited about that? Now let's try this. Let me hear you give a little shout-out for Jesus. There we go. Much louder. Just wanted to make sure we're balancing those things out. Hey, real quick, I just want to share with you something that God's doing and God did, and it's just amazing. And, and when people visit, we always want them to kind of get an idea of what's happening right here. And those that serve on our Dream Team faithfully every week, Again, we thank you for what you do. Those that are serving in V-Kids right now, thank you. Because of you, this kind of stuff happens. I want to read a testimony to you just real quick of what God's doing in somebody's life. It says, I grew up a Christian. Anybody in here grew up, grow up a Christian? You know what that means? I went to church three times a week. I love it. I even got my parents going to church. But even as a habitual churchgoer, I had doubts about it all. Ever been there? You go faithfully every time the doors are open, but you're not quite confident and he said, some things happened in my life that separated me from my faith. And I found a documentary that validated every doubt that I had about God. So from that day forward, in the last 10 years, watch this, I've considered myself an atheist. Wow. He said, over time, I heard a spoken word titled, Why I Love God But Hate Religion. He said it really resonated with him, and over the years, he would listen to different sermons and spoken words all throughout work and different things. And one time, at the end of one of the messages he was listening to, there was an altar call. There was an opportunity to respond, an opportunity for you to commit your life to Jesus, which we have every Sunday here at Victory. And he said, in the delivery truck, with tears pouring down his face, he dedicated his life back to Jesus Christ. Here's what I love about it. Go ahead and give God praise real quick. Here's what I love about that. Jesus doesn't need a church building. Jesus doesn't need a steeple. All Jesus needs is an open heart and someone who's ready to receive, and he'll get you right there in a delivery truck. He can get you in the Chick-fil-A checkout line, right? He can get you at Aldi's. He can get you wherever he needs to get you if you just have an open heart. And right away, he said, I knew I had to find a church to attend. He said he found Victory Church, and I love this part, felt like I was home by the time I took my seat. If you're visiting with us, we want to say welcome home. Welcome home. This is where God wants to use you and, and continue to grow in your life. He said, a month later, my faith and relationship with Jesus Christ was stronger than it had ever been. And in a very sensitive time in my spiritual life, the Victory family made it very easy for me to revive and grow my relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Victory Church. Hey, real quick, thank you, Dream Team. Thank you, Dream Team. Everything he just said about feeling welcome and being able to come in and feel like it was because of the atmosphere that you create. And so thank you. Thank you for letting God use you. And can we just give God praise real quick for what he did in his life? It's incredible, incredible. And so, again, if you're visiting, we want to encourage you right after church, we have something called Growth Track. And so if you've been coming for a couple weeks or, or maybe this is your first time and you really like what God's doing here, you can go right after service. You can fellowship for a little bit, get some coffee, and you can go right after there to what we call Growth Track. And they'll direct you where to go. It'll be about 30 minutes or so. We'll watch your kids for you. So, hey, treat it as a date. You know what I mean? Go in there, have a little date, learn more about the church. Find out the purpose God has for you because we say here, you're here on purpose because you matter. 
have a purpose. And so find what that purpose is, start serving, and be a part of lives being changed. Amen? You'll be able to go to the grow track and get home plenty enough time to cook your steak and chicken and get ready for the party. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you got your Bibles, would you open up to the book of John chapter 13? John chapter 13. So whether you've got your paper Bible, maybe you're looking on your phone, you can also follow along on the Victory app. And if none of those are you, the verses will be behind me on the screen so that you can follow along with us. John chapter 13. We're in a series right now, as Pastor Brian said, called Scary Close. And we've kind of been talking about relationships because here's the deal, and I think you would agree with me. We all deal with relationships on a daily basis, okay? I'll just give you an example in case you think I might not be telling the truth. More than likely, tomorrow, you are going to deal with one of these relationships. You're either going to deal with your spouse, you're going to deal with your parents, you're going to deal with your children, you're going to deal with who you're dating, who you're engaged to, your boss, your coworker, your friend, you're going to deal with the Starbucks, bar, bar, what is it, barista? Uh, I don't, you can obviously tell I don't drink coffee. And you're going to deal with somebody throughout the day. You're going to constantly deal, and the chances are you're going to deal with more than just one. And so for us to be able to live our life at the highest level, we believe we need to have healthy relationships. And healthy relationships across the board, whether it's marriage, whether it's parenting, whether it's friends, whatever that might be, boss, coworker. Some of the things we're doing as a church to be able to help you in this series is, one, I'm excited about this, next Friday night and Saturday, uh, we are offering to you a marriage conference that's out in Clarksville, about an hour away, that we're encouraging with our parent-affiliated church. We're encouraging you to go. You can register on our app or in the lobby. Uh, If you'd like to go but you can't afford to go, let us know. We'll scholarship you to go because we just believe in your marriage, and we believe that God wants your marriage to be healthy. And so that's a great thing. And then also in this month, we're we're, we're preventing, or preventing, presenting our small groups. And so I'll talk a little bit about it next Sunday, and then we'll have sign-ups on the 17th. So not only are we preaching about healthy relationships, but we're giving you actual ways to apply it into your life. And so we want you to jump on board with that. Last week, if you were here, we just had a great time. Uh, I heard some people were calling it the experience of a romantic comedy is what I heard, uh, the experience that it was. And we kind of walked through this. You can't have healthy relationships until you are healthy yourself. Until you have a healthy identification of who you are, every relationship you're in will be about how to complete yourself, and they'll never be healthy. And so we started off, and we were talking about Martha and her sister Mary and and how you need to have have a a, a healthy uh, identity of who you are before you can have a healthy relationship. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the relationship between Jesus and a friend of his name, Judas, okay? Jesus and Judas. So John 13, we're going to read five verses. It's going to set us up. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. So this is giving us uh, an understanding of the time of the year that it was. So it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So Jesus is aware at that moment that the crucifixion is just around the corner. He understands that he's about to give his life for our salvation and go back to heaven to be with the Lord. He he understands all this. He knows the time and those kind of things. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So that's just a reminder in case you're in here this morning and you think you've never or you've messed up too much or, or God doesn't love you. That's just a reminder that he loves you. 
It says the evening meal was in progress, so they were eating, obviously Chick-fil-A, because that's the only relationship that, or only uh, restaurant that has a relationship with the Lord. So the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, that's going to be important in a minute, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I want to talk to you for just a moment this morning before you leave and get ready for your Super Bowl party. I want to talk to you about how to deal with difficult people. How do we as Christians deal with difficult people? How do you handle people who suck? All right, and let me explain before you're like, whoa, he just, people who suck the life out of you. You know what I'm talking about? I heard Pastor Craig Rochelle, he calls them relational vampires is what he calls them. People who just drain you. Have you ever been with somebody and when you're with them, when you leave, you just feel drained of all of your energy and all of your joy? You're just, you're just drained. How do we handle, because we're Christians, And we want to be Christ-like, and we want to do everything the Bible says. So how do we handle people who suck the life out of us? What's the process? And, And, of course, there's Scripture all throughout, but I want to use these five verses to just kind of give us three practical steps. If there was anybody who knew what it was like to deal with difficult people, it was Jesus. He dealt with know it alls He dealt with religious people. He dealt with prideful people. He just constantly was dealing with people who were trying to suck the life out of him. But I don't think there was anybody more difficult than Judas. And let me explain why. If you're not familiar with who Judas is, Judas is the gentleman that a little bit later on in the story is going to take some money and then betray Christ and give him over to be arrested and then eventually crucified. So Judas is the guy who says one thing to your face and then goes and says something different behind your back. You know what I'm saying? Judas is the one that you thought was going to always be there for you, but then just dropped you like a hot rock. Judas is that person. He had to be the most difficult person that Jesus could have handled. And yet in these five verses, we see three things that Jesus did that I think are going to help us know how to deal with difficult people. You ready? Ready to learn them? Here we go. Number one is recognize recognize, okay? Now watch this. In verse 2, John 13, verse 2, it says something very strategic. It says the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas. Do you see that? It It says the devil already prompted Judas. In other words, the devil was influencing what Judas was about to do. Hear me. If we are going to deal with difficult people, we first have to recognize who sent them. Okay? Let me explain. It was the devil that prompted Judas. When people come into your life and they are difficult, the very first thing you need to do is you need to try to evaluate the situation and recognize who sent them. Why are they there? Let me give you more explanation. When God wants to bless you, he's going to send people. When the devil wants to distract and destroy you, he's going to send people. Okay? When when God wants to bless you, here comes somebody. When the enemy wants to destroy you, here comes somebody. That's why it's important that we recognize who sent them. Have they been sent by God to bless us? 
or have they been sent by the enemy to try and destroy us? I, I love what Max Lucado says. This is so cool. He said, some people have been called to be a missionary of misery in our lives. Y'all thinking of anybody, right? How many of you, the moment I said how to deal with difficult people, you already knew who it was? You already can't even, don't point at them, all right? I know they might be in here. Don't point at them. It'd be awkward. But, you know, we just automatically know. And when I read that, I'm like, oh, I so can think about people in my life who had to be misery missionaries. Like, they, I think they woke up and had, like, my face on a dartboard. And they were just, they were committed to go after me. Like, I just, I know people like that. And it's so important, y'all, that we learn, did God send them to equip us or did the enemy send them to exhaust us? I'm going to give you two examples, one of both, because I've dealt with them all, all right? First, let me walk you through my missionary of misery, just one of them. I'm going to use somebody that I dealt with in Memphis because none of y'all know them, so you won't have to, you know, talk to them or anything. And there's a very slim chance they're watching online. If they are, sorry. Okay, um. So, so let me set you up. So I was a youth pastor, and there was this family. It was, it was a wife and a husband and two kids. And the wife and the husband were not youth sponsors in my ministry, okay? They were not youth sponsors. I had not put them in a position of authority. But every Wednesday night after church, the mom would come in to tell me how bad service was. Every time, it was like, it's too loud, you know, this and that and this. You, your, your lights are too bright. And she would just go on and on and on. And I'm like, why are you even here? You know, like, you're not a teenager. You're not a youth sponsor. We need to start locking our doors or something. Like, why aren't you here? The husband, true story, one night we had a huge outreach and had a bunch of kids from the community come. And they were crazy and wild. And you know what? Who cares? Because Jesus loved them too. So we had people and we prepared for it. And this guy came and he got so mad at a kid, he put him by his neck and choked him up against the wall. I said, who let you in here? Why are you here? We had to end up getting that dude arrested. You know what I mean? Like, what is going on? And listen, I, I give you those two stories to tell you this. They weren't even the missionary. It was their son, all right? Let me walk you through this. So he's a teenager. He's coming to the youth group, and, and we're trying our best to, to minister to him and to be in his life. And, and I was trying my best as a youth pastor to be that youth pastor that, that knows you, and it's in your life, and it's there for you. And so he played soccer, all right? So me and my wife, my, my oldest, Veda, was, was young enough to be in a stroller at this time. So we would go every time he had a soccer game on Saturday at 9 a.m., right? God don't even know that, you know, God's not up at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, you know what I mean? And so we would get our kid, put it in a stroller, and we go out to the soccer game, and the soccer game always cost $8 a person. We were on a youth pastor's budget, right? Here's what that meant. That meant we were getting paid with Netflix and Twinkies, right? That, that's what my salary was. And so $8, $16 was a lot of money. So every time we go to the game, we pay $16. And then we go, and for two hours, I'd sit there with my toddler in a stroller, and I'd watch his soccer game and go through the soccer game and cheer him on and all these different things. And then we'd get done with the soccer game, and mom and dad would say, hey, you want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings with us? And I would say, Sure, because I'm the youth pastor. And so we go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Surely they'd buy our lunch, right? Nope, because they're missionaries of misery. And so we would sit down, and we dropped $25 on Buffalo So every Saturday, two youth pastors with a small child were spending $50 to just be in this kid's life, to just love on them. Jesus loves you. We're here. You're not that good at soccer, but we're rooting you on. You know what I mean? Mama thinks you're good, so we think you're good. You know how it is. You don't get a trophy anyway. It's a Christian league. And so we just, 
just celebrating him, just good old thing. And, and, and he was coming all the time, and me and Darla were trying to kind of counsel him and his girlfriend, and I could tell you about that, and we're not going there yet, and all these different things. And then, like, for three or four weeks, he's gone. I don't even see him. Like, three or four weeks, he just, he just doesn't come to youth group. And so, no lie, y'all, about a month and a half later, I'm walking through Sunday morning service, walking through our sanctuary on Sunday morning, and I'm in the lobby, and I got different responsibilities, and he comes out of nowhere, and he stands in front of me. And here's what he says. He goes, Pastor Troy? I said, yes, so-and-so. He said, I'm disappointed in you. Listen, I wanted to go straight Memphis for a moment. You know what I mean? Like, first of all, you ain't my daddy, so you can't be disappointed in me. You know what I mean? You ain't paying me, so you can't be disappointed in me. But I'm a Christian. And so I said, for what? Here's what he said. True story. He said, for the past few days, I have been really struggling. And he said, and I just kept asking God to have you call me. And he said, I just knew you were going to. I just knew you were going to hear from the Lord and call me. I said, hey, blank, um, does your phone work? Both ways? Like, I know you can receive calls, but can you, can you, can you give calls? Because you could call me, you know what I mean? And here's what I told him. I said, look, I'm a Christian. I'm not telepathic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry. I wish I was spiritual enough to know exactly what I should do for every person at every time. I'm a Christ man. I'm not an X-man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just needed to be able to tell him. And it was just a missionary of misery. I'm like, no matter what I do, I can't please you. And I knew, and I'm learning that the devil will send people to just exhaust you and to harass you and to frustrate you because you're doing all you can to live for God. But sometimes they're there to equip you. There's another gentleman, I can say his name because this is kind of good for him. Uh, his name was Donald Hardy, okay? Donald Hardy, is, he, he, he um, was in the military, and then he, he retired from FedEx, and he's just this incredible businessman. And he drove me crazy. I mean, he was the most difficult person you would ever meet. Everything was just difficult, but he was wise, and he was full with wisdom. And can I, can I tell you something? Here's how you know God sent him to equip you. If they're only difficult to you because of your pride. And say, so, you know, that's a whole other message. I ain't ready for that. And, and so, so put it this way. When it came time to get ready to move here and plant a church, I was having weekly meetings with Pastor Don because he had become this wise person in my life. Because I learned that he was difficult, but God had sent him into my life to equip me. Okay? So there's difference. There's people that have been sent to you to exhaust you, and there are people that have been sent to you to equip you. You need to recognize which one they are. Because, listen, once you recognize, you then know if you need to receive them or release them, okay? Once you know, do I need to receive them, or do I need to release them? When it came time for Judas, Jesus said this, hey, Judas, what you're about to do, do quickly. Jesus was releasing Judas. You don't see Jesus running up behind Judas going, can we just try one more time? Can I just, you know, you don't see him uh, Snapchatting him. There's no moment where Jesus is outside his bedroom window with a boom box, right, playing love songs, trying to get Judas. He just released him. He just said, Go. Because he understood that he was being controlled, influenced, all these things by the enemy. So he released him. If someone is in your life and all they are there for is to exhaust and harass you, listen to the great prophet Medea and let them go. Let them go. Just bye. Bye. Can I tell you something? Your heart is worth protecting. 
Your heart is worth protecting. I know we tend to think we're the Messiah and that we have to love every person into their Christian relationship and all that. Listen, the Bible tells you to be kind. The Bible tells you to share the gospel. The Bible tells you to love them. The Bible didn't say you had to invite them to your kid's birthday party. Release them. Release them, right? Look what Paul said. I love this. It's just beautiful. Paul says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. That right there should just take half our stress away. If it's a stupid conversation, deuces, right? I don't have time for this. If it's foolish, your brother got to go. I don't, I don't have time for this because here's why. It's going to produce quarrels. It's going to exhaust you. It's going to frustrate you. It's why you don't need to wake up and get on social media because it's nothing but foolish conversation. And now you're mad because they're stupid. You know what I mean? And it just ruins your day. And it says instead, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone. So be kind to them. Don't be jerks to them. Don't tell them they're a missionary of misery. They, They know. Trust me. Their mom and daddy have told them. All right? Just be kind to everyone. Be able to teach them. So if they ask you about the gospel, be ready to teach them about the gospel. And don't be resentful. Don't, don't, don't be hateful for them. Love them. And I love this. This is a Super Bowl verse. You ready? Opponents must be gently instructed. I love that Paul didn't call them friends. Paul called them opponents. Because when the enemy has sent someone to exhaust you, they are on the opposite team. What you're trying to do for God right now, how you're trying to move forward towards God right now, they are your opponent, but they still need to be gently instructed in the hope, in the hope that God will grant them repentance because God loves them. One, one verse in the Bible says that you're supposed to plant a seed. One will plant a seed, one will water the seed. God will make it grow. That means you be kind, let God worry about their salvation, okay? Quit trying to be their Jesus, In hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And here's where it gets real. That they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. Who who has taken them captive to do his will. There are people out there being used by the enemy to do his will. And they don't even know it. They have no idea. But they are constantly exhausting you while you try to do God's will. So the answer is, love them from a distance. It's called a relationship release. I love you, but I'm going to love you from a distance. I'm going to be kind to you. And here's what I've learned. If I will love them from a distance, I actually can handle them better. Because then when they come around, I'm, I'm a little bit more peaceful because I haven't had to deal with them, and I can, I can approach them differently. When I'm constantly having to deal with them, I'm exhausted. You ever had your kid do something stupid when you're already tired? You say things that ain't in the Bible, you know what I mean? You start taking Bible words and using them as, as cuss words, like, you Nebuchadnezzar. You know what I mean? You just start saying that. Like, because you're so drained, that you're, and that's what happens. People drain you, and then you can't respond right. So, hey, I'm going to release you. If we're not careful, we'll listen to people who will say, well, you're a Christian. You need to keep that person in your life no matter what and be Christ them. I'm not Christ. So I do all that I can by the Bible, but that's Jesus' responsibility. So I love and I meet needs. But again, when it comes to friendships, I might have to release. Make sense? So we got to recognize them first. Then here's the deal. Then we move into how we respond. 
once we've recognized them and put them, now, now we know whether do I receive them, do I release them. Now, before I jump, I need to say this again. I don't know if I spent enough time on it. There are people that God has put in your life that are difficult, but they're there to make you better. Please identify them because if you're not careful, you'll, you'll, you'll try to force those people out of your life, and you'll lose the opportunity to go to a new, new level, a new season. So you got to be able to recognize them, okay? Just, again, now, now respond. Uh, verse 3, chapter 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Please keep that in the back of your mind. That's going to be important. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, okay? So, here's Jesus' response. So, he got up from the meal, took, out his, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet. His response was to wash the feet of Judas. I couldn't have done that. The most difficult person you have to deal with and you got to wash their feet? You know, toe jam. If they're difficult, they probably don't cut their toenails. You know what I'm saying? Just na- ain't bathe in three days. And I got to wash. You know, I'm just, I, I just, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. But, but this was Jesus' response. And here's what you have to understand Jesus did before he responded. He recognized that all things God had put in his power. Do you know what that means? God, Jesus understood he was responsible for his response. You are the only one that can control your response. Quit saying they made me. They didn't make you. Quit saying, well, I lost my, no, they, they didn't lo- you didn't lose anything. You're the only one that gets to decide how you respond. You may be angry, but you decide whether you respond in anger. You may be sad, but you decide whether you respond out of that. It's you who decide how you respond. And Jesus, I believe, predetermined how he was going to respond. I believe Jesus knew he was going to wash their feet before he ever walked in there. He predetermined his response. For us to be able to deal with difficult people, we have to predetermine our response. Let me explain. How many of you like to text? Anybody here like to text? You're a texter? Okay, uh, if you have, how many of you text with emoticons? Is that, are they still called that, emoticons? The little, little smiley faces and all that kind of stuff, right? They, they, they've like, they're, they're advanced now. You know, I mean, it's great. Now we've moved on to gifts and all these kind of things. But you remember when the emoticon was popular and all you could really do was like a smiley face and a sad face? Okay, y'all do that? Anybody here text with those? Y'all text with those? Okay. If you have an iPhone, I don't know if you do or not, but if you have an iPhone, then, then it'll look like this when you go to text. It'll have something that says frequently used. Okay, see, frequently used. And these will be your frequently used emoticons. Okay, now let me show you how transparent I'm being to you right now. These are my actual frequently used emoticons. This is from my phone, all right? So let's just walk through them, okay? This is not the game where you do this and they look at it. This is, I guess, okay. I'm not really sure. Uh, This to me is praying. Uh, It may be clapping, but I need prayer. So that's prayer. This is oceans. When I, you know, when you want to respond with, he does see me when I walk upon the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know what he's doing. This, that's what I send to Darla. Okay. Uh, This is what I, when I'm talking about my kids right here. Uh, This is, uh, yep. Okay. Um. This is like mind blown. I can't believe she said that. He said that mind blown. Uh, this is sad, angry. Do, do you need any commentary on, on Mr. Poopy? Okay. Uh, I've been using this a lot because my kid's been sick. So this, this is, you're getting ready to puke. I love this guy because he's up to no good. You know what I mean? He's just, that's when he said something and he knew it was bad. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, he's sad. I don't know. Um, literally, I don't know. Happy kiss, 
this is me after dealing with y'all on Sunday. I'm just like, oh, I'm just getting, love, you know, no, this is my favorite guy to sin. Like, did he, did they really just do that? Uh, and so, so, and then, you know, y'all know what this is like, oh, um, and so, 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 so these are my previous or my frequently used emotion. And you notice it's a wide range, right? I, I got happy. I got sad. I got mad. I got puking. I got pooping. I got everything. It's come out of both ends. You know what I mean? Whatever you need, I got it. I got it. I'm ready. I'm completely prepared with all of these different responses because my responses are often dictated by who I'm talking to. That's why they're so random. Because, for example, if I'm talking to Darla, I'm like, hey, baby. If I'm talking to Pastor Brian, I'm like, I don't know why we did that. I don't even know what happened. I don't know, I don't know what happened. If I'm talking to, to well, I, won't, I won't keep talking to Tim, we just keep trading these back and forth. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially after the fast, like, did you eat? Uh, I ate. You're not ready. Okay, anyway, so it's just random. It, I, I, it's, not, it's not predetermined. It, it's, just, it's just random. So depending on how you make me feel, I'm choosing one of these emotions. I'm just going to respond by how you make me feel. So if you call me and you make me happy today, I'm like, ah, Right? What's up? If you call me and you make me mad, I'm blowing smoke out my nose. Like, it just kind of, it doesn't matter. And, and listen, James said in James chapter 1, he said, this is so important that we don't allow our responses to be dictated by whoever we're talking to. And he says it like this, because there will be trials of many kinds. Thought about this. Could that mean that there would be difficult people of many kinds? So that would be fun just for experience for a moment, to go through some of the difficult people we face, all right? So, I mean, I mean real quick, Tim, Pastor Brian, Blake, Scout, Jamal, y'all come here for a second. All right, y'all just come on up here. We're using guys only because I respect you women too much to embarrass you on stage. And so, um, just, just thought we'd walk through some folks and just see if maybe you recognize them. See if maybe some of these people are in your life. You know what I mean? Just, just maybe. So, y'all go ahead and line up right here. Uh, I tell you what, kind of line up right here because I'm going to use the screen in a second. So just kind of start right there. But I want, I want them to be able to see you. Um, so we'll, we'll start off with uh, the top dog, all right? So let's start off with the top dog. And I tell you what, Ms. A yeah, okay, so, so you go ahead and put that on for us, all right? Now, now the top dog is, is everything, everything's a competition to him. Y'all know these people? You know what I'm talking about? Everything's a competition, it's like, hey, man, I just got a burger. I got a double cheeseburger. What, what does that matter? Like, you're going to die quicker. What does that matter? Like, everything's a competition. You know what I mean? How about this? Y'all know a one-upper? You know what I'm talking about? A one-upper? Yeah, that's what the top dog is. Always has to win. It's just a one-upper. Like, no matter what you do, they do better, right? No matter what you have, they have more. Like, it's just the top. Anybody here know a top dog? Anybody here know a top dog? All right, just, just making sure. Don't, you shouldn't raise your hand up here. All right, all right. Next, let, next uh, let's talk about the judge, all right? The, <laughs> hey, quick question. If you don't come to church here, why? Right? Like, I mean, like, it's just, it's just, there we go. There we go. Your honor, okay? All right. The judge is critical. You know what I'm talking about? Person is just critical. Everything you talk about, they got something bad to say, all right? And Facebook is the worst. We can't even give TVs away without hearing somebody give us some type of critical response. Are, critics are just, every, they always have an opinion. 
You know who I'm talking about? They have an opinion about stuff they don't even know about. Like, hey, I, I, I saw your lights today. I think we should. You don't even know how to operate. You can't even do a light switch. But they got an opinion about everything. And they're judgmental. They're so judgmental. But you notice they're always judgmental about everybody else except for themselves. When it comes to them, they're very gracious. But when it comes to everybody else, they are just judgmental. It's the judge. Anybody here know, you know judge? Anybody here know judge? So we're doing good so far. Uh, next is the hero. Who are we working with? Tim. First of all, can we give Tim, look at his outfit. Is he not looking amazing this morning? I'll let you put that on. There we go. You're the Black Panther for today. Uh, it just makes perfect sense. That makes, <laughs> Jamal wants your mask. Hey, I'll let you take it home. It's okay. Uh, well, Jenny might, never mind. Um, so the, the hero is nar- nar- narcissistic. You know what I'm talking about? Just, just uh, know, know it all, the best at everything. Like, again, no matter what, they're, they're the hero. They're going to they're gonna solve the problem. They're going to make the day. They are, and here's what I like to say, they're often the false hero, right? Because we all know we only got one hero. And according to Hillsong Kids, Jesus is my superhero. Y'all know about that. Go work in V-Kids, you'll find about it. But we got the hero. Right? Anybody, anybody know a hero? Hero? Anybody here know a hero? Yep, a few of them. How about the fear monger? This looks way too good with your outfit. <laughs> so that's going home with somebody. This is the person that leads with fear. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like they're just constantly controlling you and trying to scare you and threaten you. Uh, often people will get in leadership this way even though they shouldn't be. You, you know what I'm talking about? You ever had somebody who tries to lead you or correct you by fear? Like they're, they're just, anybody, anybody here know a fear monger? You got a fear monger in your life? All right. Uh, uh, this one is going to be the most common one to us. This is the, the I call it the crybaby. <laughs> You're going to need to take that hat off. Here we go. Put that on for us. Um, <laughs> that is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm pretty sure that's the villain from Bird Box, but we just don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, this is the drama king and queen. You know what I'm talking about? They got all the drama. They just all, every time you come around them, it's just drama. And they turn things that don't need to be drama into drama. You know what I'm talking about? If you have small children, you know what I'm talking about. My, my uh, four-year-old will come down the stairs fr- waking up from a nap. And she'll be like, where's mom? I'll be like, uh, she went to go pick up Sissy from school. Why? Like, it's just a cry baby. Anybody here got a drama queen or king in your house? So you know what I'm talking about. These are just a few, just a few of the people that we, challenge, that we are challenged with on a weekly basis. Some of you are already assigning names to some of them people. Like, yeah, that's my boss. That's my spouse. I, I don't, it's, just, it's, it's just, you got these difficult people. Now listen, here's what uh, James is trying to say, and here's what Jesus was trying to teach us. If we don't predetermine our response, then we will respond whenever we come in contact with them. So we might be doing fine, and then we come in contact with the top dog, and we respond. We come in contact with the hero, <laughs> and we respond. Or the crybaby, and we respond. And our responses become so random, just like that picture, that literally we're just choosing based on how we feel. But here's what James said. Consider it pure joy, 
whenever you face trials of many kinds. So no matter who you're dealing with, go ahead and call it joy. Go ahead and predetermine joy. I, I wanted to give you this picture. If you were, this is what your frequently used emoticons should look like, all right? So this is what it looks like. You don't have anything but this as a choice. This is the only choice I have. Whether I'm dealing with the crybaby or whether I'm dealing with the fear monger, the only thing I can choose is joy because I've predetermined joy, right? Hear me. If you don't get anything else, get this. Your joy must be a focus before it'll be a feeling, okay? When you determine that you're going to have joy despite who you're dealing with, you make it a focus. You put it before you. This is my joy. I'm going to be happy. I wake up today. No matter what, I'm just going to choose joy. No matter what happens, I'm just good, you know? I I wake up and I'm committed to joy. This is just, I just, boom, there it is. And now it's a focus. And watch this. If we're not careful, we want it to be a feeling. We've been told that joy is a feeling. But you're not going to be happy when you got to deal with the crybaby if it's a feeling. But if it's a focus, if you wake up in the morning, as much as you check Instagram, you go ahead and get your joy and keep your joy. You decide, predetermined in the morning, I'm going to have joy. Then it doesn't matter who you come in contact with. You could come in contact with every one of them. It doesn't matter because you have chosen joy. Amen? Do me a favor. Give them a hand real quick as they, y'all can keep those, uh, y'all can hang on to those masks, you know, use them for Super Bowl parties or whatever it is y'all want to do. But can, can, can I help you real quick on, let me give you a picture of what happens when you are prepared to deal with these people. Because when you're prepared, you're predetermining your joy. It means you're prepared. It means you woke up this morning knowing you were probably going to face one of them. And when you're prepared, you're able to handle it better. Can I give you an example? In case you're like, I don't think that's true, let me give you an example. My oldest daughter, Veda Bell, weighs about 65, 70 pounds, I guess. Honestly, I haven't weighed her in a while. I don't know. But let's just say she weighs 70 pounds. Okay? If I go to the gym tomorrow morning and I decide to do squats and I walk up to the squat bar and I put a 35 pound on one side and a 35 pound on the other, which technically is more than 70 pounds, but you don't care, and I put the bar on my back, 70 pounds is a warm-up weight. Hear what I'm saying? I can just squat it all day. It's not taking me the ground. It's warm-up weight because I'm strong, right? But watch this. If, if, if I go home and I'm talking to Darla and my nine-year-old runs in who weighs 70 pounds and jumps on my back without me expecting, she'll take me to the ground. Okay, follow with me. I go into the gym and it's a warm-up weight. She jumps on my back, she hurts me and takes me to the ground. It's the same weight, it's just I was expecting one and I wasn't expecting the other. Make sense? And so it doesn't matter what I'm dealing with on a daily basis if I'm expecting it. If I wake up expecting it, if I say I'm going to have joy today regardless because I know that the enemy's going to send people my way to exhaust me, but he can't exhaust me. And God's going to send people my way to equip me, and it's just going to make me better and stronger and better and all these things. So no matter what, I call joy. It's just going to be joy. And when we consider that when you wake up, when you go home tonight and you get in your bed, if you set an alarm, 
Set an alarm that says choose joy. And when you wake up this morning, my, my wife has a picture in our living room that just says choose joy. Just, just, just choose. Just decide today, no matter what, if I'm on I-24 and traffic's bad and I want to say things like Nebuchadnezzar, I just, I just choose joy. I, I'm just choosing joy. I choose to be happy. No matter what. We recognize and then we choose our response. And I was like, all right, Lord, that, I got you. But that's still difficult, right? It's, 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 it's easy to say. It's fun to say. It's fun to preach. And then tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're like, oh, Lord, eh. harder to choose joy than he made it sound. And so the third thing I'm going to give you and I'm going to explain is this, reason. Reason. So you recognize, you respond, and then there's the reason. Let me explain. This is the question that I bothered with all week. Why did Jesus let Judas finish? Jesus was a bad boy. And the Bible says that he knew that Judas was going to betray him. So when Judas got up to go, why did Jesus say, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly? Why didn't Jesus stop him? Why didn't Jesus go and turn him into salt? Why, why, didn't, why didn't something different happen? Why did he let him finish? And then there was a little section in John 13. If you can go back, I'm sorry, Miss Erica, all the way to the very beginning all the way to the very beginning, to where we had James 1 through 5. There was something in there that stuck out to me that I'd never really seen before. And it, and it came out really, really, it just really sold this last thought. Watch this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, watch this, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. That is Jesus' purpose, to come from God and to return to God. That's God's plan for his life. So what Jesus knew was this. Judas was a part of the plan. So the reason why Jesus didn't stop him and the reason why Jesus let him finish is because Jesus needed that difficult person so that God's purpose could happen in his life. We need difficult people in our life because it's God's plan all along. Go back to James 1. Here's what he said. He goes through, consider it pure joy. Uh, I'll give you a second to jump in there. I'm sorry. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Watch this. Oh, I didn't give it to you. I don't think I gave you the rest of it. Uh, James, I know it comes, into, uh, it comes into verse 4, and it goes on to say that, let it finish its work until you are complete. There we go. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. All right, here's what I came to tell you. You're going to face a lot of difficult people in your life. So very first thing you need to do is you need to recognize and acknowledge that God sent them to equip you or that the enemy sent them to exhaust you. Second, it comes to your response. Choose joy. Don't let them determine it for you. Wake up that morning deciding you're going to have joy. And at the end of the day, remember this, that every person that comes your way, God let them come your way. And God wants to use them to be able to have his purpose be fulfilled in your life. Because you never know what that difficult person is doing in your life. You never know what they're preparing you for, how it's pruning you, how it's positioning you. Because everything that you face, God lets you face it. And he understands it because it's ultimately operating for your purpose and your plan. So let 
it finish. Let it finish. Don't get frustrated. Don't get angry. Let that difficult person finish what they're doing. The next time a difficult person comes to you, tell them to say, go ahead and finish. Go ahead, finish what you got to say. Finish what you're here to do. Because whatever you're saying and whatever you're doing, God's going to use to prune me and make me better for the purpose and the plan that God has for my life. Amen? Lord, I thank you for who you are. God, your faithfulness. And I thank you that you gave us such a clear picture. Right there, John chapter 13. Lord, you dealt with the most difficult person ever. I can't even imagine washing the feet of the very person who's going to hand me over to be crucified. But God, you show us through Scripture time and time again how to deal with the difficult people in our life. And most of all, understanding that every difficult person that comes our way, you can use to shape us and to form us to be better Christians. You can use it to shape us and form us to continue to move forward the purpose and the plan that you have for our life. So God, we thank you. We thank you for the difficult people in our life. Help us to recognize them. Help us to choose our response and predetermined joy. But then God, help us to keep in our mind and remember that you have them there for a purpose to continue to move us towards the plan that you have for our life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...